Hello, and a very warm welcome to The Lancet Podcast. I'm Richard Lane on Friday, October the 9th, and I'm delighted this week to be talking to my colleague, Dr. Helena Wang, who is our Asia editor based in Beijing, China. Hello, Helena, come in. Hello, Richard. Lovely to speak to you, Helena, 5,000 miles away or, or whatever it is. And the reason we're talking, Helena, is that we have October the 10th issue of The Lancet is themed to do with the major program of health reform that is going on in China. Can you just outline the aims of this massive program of health reform in China, which was launched in 2009? How achievable do you think it is, given that there's such heterogeneity in the complex, vast nation that is China? Thank you, Richard. And let me first introduce um, about the context. The background. Um, China first launches ambitious healthcare reform in 2009 and committed to spending 850 billion yuan Chinese yuan, which is about uh, 125 billion USD dollars in the next three years to push to, uh, towards achieving um, comprehensive universal health coverage. The reform is actually um, anchored in five interdependent areas. First, Expanding coverage to ensure more than 90% of population. Second, establishing a national essential medicine system. Third, improving the primary care delivery system. Fourth, um, making public health services available and equal for all. And finally, highlighting public hospital reform. So as you know, to achieve the goal of health for all in a developing country with 1.3 billion people and also with huge heterogeneity of health services in urban and rural areas is by no means an easy job. In this China issue, we have so many discussions on how to attain those ambitious uh, goals for China's healthcare reform. Thank you, Helena. I mean, gosh, yes, <laughs> there's no underestimating the challenge. But as you say, the great thing is, in this issue of The Lancet, we have some excellent contributions from researchers, from authors in China. And I think my, my next question is something you've just touched on, this, this road to health for all, universal health coverage, UHC, which we know globally is something that so many countries are trying to finish that journey on the road to universal health coverage. But a key issue in China and in other countries too, concerns quality of healthcare provision because there's no point in having universal access to health services unless there, there is quality there in the health services that people receive. And there is um, a paper, isn't there, that talks about the importance of quality on the road to UHC, particularly quality concerning primary care. Can you elaborate on that? We have uh, commissioned one paper from Qingyue Meng and the colleagues, which is about consolidating the social health insurance scams in China towards an equitable and efficient health system. In this paper, they have pointed out that main challenges for China to, to achieve UHC included not only the fragmented social health insurance scams, but also the poor quality of health care delivered by primary care providers. The challenges for developing primary care systems, including shortages of trained and qualified general practitioners, and the deeply entrenched habit of patients to seek help from large hospitals. Why do they seek help only from large hospitals. That's because the public lack of confidence in the quality of care provided in primary care facilities. That's interesting. So you've already mentioned this overlap between primary care and the hospital setting. Quality needs to be 
absolutely top as high as possible and measurable within the hospital environment. And I think we have another paper that, that, that discusses this, which has implications not least for the medical education system, the healthcare personnel that work in hospitals. Can you tell us more about this? As you know, important gaps, as you rightly mentioned, important gaps in quality of care persist not only in the primary care system, but also in hospitals. Let me first give you an example. Last year, the Lancet published a paper from Chinese cardiologists, which report during the past decade in China, hospital admissions for ST segment elevation myocardial infection in China have risen a lot. But in hospital, mortality hasn't changed at all. That paper called for efforts to improve outcome and care for the patients. So this time we reviewed how the hospitals can improve their quality of care. Also, as you know, eventually, high quality of care comes from high quality health professionals. Not only doctors, but also general practitioners, nurses, and the public health workers. So therefore, developing the education system in China, not only the health system, is important and urgent. I still remember in the China Think issue last year, we published a review paper investigating China's health professional education and outlined the progress and challenges. We also called for the reform of education system to in response to the reform of health system. Thank you, Helena. We cannot talk about China without talking about public health, can we? And we can't talk about public health without discussing tobacco. Tobacco control, or some people might say the lack of tobacco control in China, is the number one priority in terms of getting China's health on track for the future. China does have a very poor record in terms of tobacco production and tobacco consumption. I'm sure you can tell us more about this. And again, we have a paper in the China-themed issue with some startling data about tobacco consumption. My broader point would be, is China just aware enough about the harms of tobacco consumption and its links to poor health? That's a really great question. Thank you for asking that. And I think uh, fairly to say China is aware of the problem and China is trying to, to do something more. As you know, China is becoming extremely aggressive in tobacco control this year. For example, in April, uh, China's top legislature adopted an amendment to the advertisement law to ban tobacco advertisements in mass media, public transports and spaces. And also on June 1st, Beijing smoke-free law, one of the toughest tobacco control regulations in China, came into effect. That means all indoor public places in Beijing and many outdoor public places are required to, by the law to be 100% smoke-free. And I believe with the implementation of Beijing's smoke-free law, the nationwide smoking ban is on the road. But as you mentioned, it is really a great challenge for China. It's very difficult to push forward tobacco control things. Also, in the China issue this time, there's one paper called uh, Contrasting Male and Female Trends in Tobacco Attributed on Mortality in China, which means that annual number of deaths in China that are caused by tobacco will rise from 1 million in 2010 to 2 million in 2030 and 3 million in 2050, unless there's wide secession. So actually tobacco control matters not only for the current and also for the future health of China. I think the Chinese government is aware of the problem. They're working on it. 
but maybe it will take some time for them to achieve it, grow、um, eventually. A final question, Helena, and this really comes, I suppose, down to the to to the leader, the main leader. The conclusion from the leader really is is about. Research capacity, isn't it, and the importance of investing in research capacity? Because from that investment in research, in scientific research generally, and in clinical research specifically, this has to be the basis from which future growth in science and in healthcare reform can happen. Have I got that right? And if so, that has to be a long-term aim because. Investing in research now will will not reap rewards until much much later. Yes, indeed, I agree. Because we believe on developing China's research capacity to generate knowledge and translate it effectively into clinical practice and health policies that improve healthcare is the key to achieve the UHC and improve health reform. And as you know, China has a prestigious history of medical innovation, as proved by Yu Youtu, this year Nobel Prize winner in physiology or medicine. Who was awarded for her discovery of artemisinin against malaria? However, in this China thing, the issue there are two papers actually identifying the same problem. Despite increasing investments in medical research by the Chinese government, funding for clinical research was only a quarter of that for basic biomedical research. Also. There's one paper called "Cultivating and Investing in Clinical Research in China."、Uh, the authors know that the major health research funding agencies lean towards basic science, and many high-impact publications from China are in basic biomedical sciences journals rather than in clinical research. So they actually called for cultivating and investing in clinical research in China. So I think the key. As I said before, should be spending more on clinical and public health research and funding robust research that answers the most important scientific questions for the Chinese population. Very, very clear, Helena. Very, very important. So I think our bottom line is invest in clinical research, China, and that this will bear fruit in the future with the health reform plan, the road to universal health coverage. And crucially, the quality improvement in services, not just providing the services themselves. So I think we've got a really good picture there, Helena. It's a wonderful、um, China-themed issue. I know you've worked very hard to help us get some of these papers in. It's been lovely to talk to you. And just to mention, you are having an important meeting at the end of this month, the end of October 2015, aren't you? Just tell us a little bit about that meeting. It will be a very important meeting, which is、um, the Lancet Camps and Health Summit. Which is、um, shows the collaboration of the Lancet and the Chinese Academy of Medical Sciences. We hope that、um, through this meeting, the Lancet can be a platform which showcases China's、uh, best clinical, public health, health policies, research, and show the good research to the world, and show the progress of China's research capacity, and help China to strengthen its、um, research capacity. Fantastic, Helena. Well, I hope it all goes really well, and good luck with all all your work later in the month and beyond. Thanks so much, and it's a great pleasure to talk with you to talk about the China issue and、uh, the Lancet Camps meeting. Thank you.